0: Hey, good morning, everyone. How are we? For those who are visiting, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Arbor. It's so good to see all of you today on this Sunday morning. I don't know what was more impressive, the kids or Hayden hitting some of those notes. Um, That was was really impressive. Um, We're continuing our series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks called The Ever-Present God. And in this series, what we're doing is we are looking at the hard things about life, the messiness of life, the brokenness of life. And we are um, reminding ourselves that God is present with us through it all a couple of weeks ago we talked about going through the valleys of life the valleys of life those painful really hard difficult seasons of life and how god doesn't waste those seasons how he how he uses those seasons of pain for a purpose to bring us closer to himself so we can experience his peace and his presence and again we saw that while we may marvel at god on the mountaintops we venture toward intimacy with him in the valleys and that's not an easy thing to come to terms with when you're in the middle of the valley. That's a hard truth to reckon with. But for those, of us, for those of us who have gone through it and experienced it, we know this to be true. And then last week, we looked at the uh, different metaphor for difficult, hard seasons of life. We looked at this idea of the wilderness. And the wilderness is different than the valley and that the wilderness sometimes feels like it lasts longer The wilderness is different than the valley and that that sometimes it can feel a little bit more lonely as we wander through the wilderness, but even still, while we wander in the wilderness, our greatest need can turn into a gift when it can drive me to dependence on God. That again, God doesn't waste the hard things we go through, but if we allow God as we walk through that wilderness, he can use those painful seasons as a gift to draw us closer to him and nearer to him, so we can experience his presence and experience his closeness. And all of this is rooted in our theme verse for this series, which I'll be teaching on in more detail next week at our Christmas Eve services, which is Matthew one twenty three, which says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now this is a foundational verse for those of you who follow Jesus as you walk through valleys, as you wander through the wilderness, because this verse is a reminder for us of the extent to which the God of this universe will go to make his presence known to us. That our God, that we worship, the God of this world is not some distant deity far off who doesn't care about us, but he is a God who was willing to do anything and bridge the divide and make himself known to us. He entered into time and space in such a way where he's just not with you in the valleys. He's experienced those valleys. He's he's not just with you as you wander in the wilderness. He has quite literally been in the wilderness, He knows what it's like. He sympathizes with your weaknesses and your trials and your hardships, as the writer of Hebrews says. He gets it. He knows what it's like. He knows the trials and troubles we face. And he's with us through it all. And so what I want us to look at today is how God is with us through the storms of life. Our ever-present God is with us through the valleys. He's with us in the wilderness and he is with us in the storms. We're gonna see this in the book of Acts, and so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get those out and turn to Acts chapter 27. Acts 27 is where we're gonna be today. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, no worries, we're gonna have the scripture on screen, and that's what we're gonna see today. We're gonna see how God is present with us even in the storms, but before we do that, how about you go ahead and pray with me, and then we'll jump in. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the joy of Christmas, I thank you that we got to experience that through your children this morning. And Lord, I pray as we turn our hearts and attention to your word, that your spirit would open our minds, open our hearts to what you would have for us. God, if we need comfort, I pray your spirit would bring us comfort. God, if we need conviction, I pray your spirit would bring conviction. We trust you. We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I came across this story recently about this couple named Maurice and Marilyn Bailey. Anyone ever hear of them before? That's what I thought. Maurice and Marilyn Bailey, pretty normal. Some might even say quite a boring couple. They were married in 1963. Um, Maurice was a typesetter, and Marilyn was a tax collector. So, pretty boring, right? Pretty boring. And after about eight years of marriage, Maurice and Marilyn thought the same thing, and so they came up with this plan where they were going to quit their jobs and save up a bunch of money and buy a boat and sail across the Atlantic Ocean, across the Pacific Ocean, and go move to New Zealand. Now, some people get bored and restless in life, and they buy a dog. Others start a hobby like gardening or woodworking. These two decided to become Magellan and sail across the world, okay? <laughs> and so a couple years later, they saved up enough money, they bought this 31-foot yacht and they named it Arlen. Um, this couple had minimal sailing experience, okay? They didn't grow up in a, in a family of sailing. This, this wasn't their hobby or anything, and so they bought a bunch of guidebooks and books about sailing, and they read them, and they studied, and they bought the supplies, they bought the equipment that they needed to get across the Atlantic and the Pacific, and in February of 1973, just before their 10-year wedding anniversary, they set sail. And the journey started great. They started in England, made their way to Spain, down to Portugal, over to the Canary Islands, and across the Atlantic. They encountered a couple minor storms across the Atlantic, nothing major, and they made their way all the way to the Panama Canal. It was going well. Now, some of you are already probably thinking, this story doesn't end well, does it? <laughs> just, just listen. So they camped out in, in, Pan- in the Panama Canal for a while. They bought some supplies to make the rest of their journey across the Pacific, and then they ventured out into the Pacific Ocean. And the first couple of days, again, pretty non-eventful. On that third day, this massive whaling boat passed by. And then it left. Nothing happened. An hour after that whaling boat passed by, this enormous whale surfaced in the water, puncturing a, an irreparable hole in their boat. They inflated a life raft, grabbed as many supplies as they possibly could, and their ship sunk in two minutes. No boat. No land in sight. And again, so let's just pause for a moment. If this is you in this situation, how are you feeling? Not great, right? Most of us not great, okay? I'm not feeling. If this is you and your spouse, how are you guys doing <laughs> relationally? Yeah, yeah, maybe not great. Few more things. They got through the first few days well. They survived on canned beans, bottled water, and they hoped to navigate their way to the Galapagos Islands, which was southwest but it was at this unfortunate point that they finally encountered a major storm that that drove them northwest. Again, no boat, no land in sight, lost at sea in the middle of this storm. This whole situation that they were encountering here was a storm, but now they were quite literally in the middle of a storm. And, And I know that some of you are going through this right now not literally, obviously, but figuratively, and you would name your storm divorce. You'd name your storm depression. You'd name the storm you're going through right now financial hardship. For some of you, it's a little bit more existential than that. You're wrestling with faith, you're wrestling with belief, you're wrestling with your career. And if it just feels like a storm right now in your life, and if you're on a life raft, so to speak, floating in the middle of nowhere, just wondering, what's next? How am I going to make it through the next few months? Maybe you're at the point where you're like, how am I going to make it through the next few weeks? Maybe you're at the point where you're like, I don't know that I'm going to get to the end of today," because the storm is so hard. An unfortunate thing about this situation is I think that, that, that many of us who find ourselves in this situation, what we do is we begin to question God. God, what are you doing in the middle of this storm? Are you even real right now? Why do you have me in the middle of this storm right now? What's your purpose for this storm in my life? When is the storm gonna be over? Our big idea is this today. Never allow the presence of a storm to lead you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to lead you to doubt the presence of God. And like I mentioned earlier, we're gonna see this in Acts 27. And in this story, I want us to look at some people who are in a boat and they're in the middle of a storm. And this storm was a multi-day storm. It was so bad that they started throwing cargo off the ship in order to lighten the boat. And they thought that all hope was lost. And we pick up the story in Acts 27, verse 20. It says this, Luke, the author, writes When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the violent storm continued to batter us. And I wonder how many of you in the middle of your storm would say the same thing, man. This violent storm is just continuing to batter us. It it, it will not relent. It will not stop. And the storm here in this story keeps raging. And it says, we finally abandoned all hope of being saved. And this phrase right here really resonates with me because many of you that I've talked to over the last year or so who have been going through storms in your life, this is where you're at. You are on the edge of giving up hope. There's there's just no way that our marriage is going to make it through this season. I, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for this financial hardship that we're going through. There's no way we're ever gonna beat this disease. I'm going to be alone my entire life. We're never gonna be able to have children, whatever it might be. And so the storm just continues to rage in your life, the storm continues to rage here in the story and acts. They've given up all hope. Look at verse 21. Since many of them had no desire to eat, Paul stood up among them. Okay, great, Paul's gonna say something encouraging. He says... Man, you should have listened to me and not put out to sea from Crete. I, I, I don't know about you guys, and this is going to sound bad, but like if I'm on that boat with Paul, I'm punching him in the head in this moment. Like this is the best you got, Paul? You wrote Romans, dude. I think it's, it's insightful, though, to see Paul in this moment in this way uh, because as spiritual and as much of a leader as he was, Paul was still a fallen, broken dude. <laughs> He could still put his foot in his mouth sometimes. Um, um, In this moment, regardless, they're in the middle of this crazy multi-day storm. But why? Why are they in this storm? Well, well, technically, they're in this storm right now because it was their fault. It was their fault. They made the decision to go out into this environment and, and, and it was risky. Uh, One one thing to know here is that when they set sail, the the chronological order in Acts, they set sail at some some point in fall, and that's like the worst time to go out to to, to sea in the Mediterranean Sea. The sea is very tumultuous, very unpredictable. Now, one thing I want to ask you, have you ever noticed that when people encounter something difficult, when people go through a storm, how some people are really quick in the middle of the storm to be like, man, the enemy is really attacking me right now. Man, man, Satan just has it out for me right now. And here's what I want to say to that real quick. Listen, sometimes that, that's true. I don't want to deny that reality. We have a very real enemy. Scripture says he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He, he is a very real presence. But, but sometimes, sometimes, listen, you're in the middle of a storm because it's your fault. <laughs> sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you spent too much money (laughs) sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you let your emotions get the best of you and you said something you shouldn't have said sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you got a little lazy and you procrastinated and you didn't do the thing you were supposed to do sometimes you're in a storm because you didn't do the wise thing and you made a risky decision and perhaps this is why these, these people in this boat were giving up hope at this moment, because it was their own fault. Now, I don't know about you, but, but for me per- personally, it's easier for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm that I didn't get myself into than it is to believe that God will get me out of, out of a storm that I got myself into, Right? It's like, I'm in this storm for a reason, I messed up, I deserve to be here, I'm stuck here in this storm. And in the story, the storm just continues to rage. And they gave up all hope. Now there were probably some people though on this boat. This wasn't just like a little boat, like, like we talked about in the Sea of Galilee where just a couple of fishermen were on this boat. This was like a major ship that was going across the, the Mediterranean Sea. It had a whole crew. It had prisoners. Paul was a prisoner at this point. It had people just making the voyage, trying to go to the destination. And I, you have to imagine that in this story, there are some people on this boat right now uh, that were like, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't. Maybe they overheard Paul at some point. Maybe some of the crew overheard Paul, say, hey, hey, this is a bad idea. And they were like, they went to the captain and they were like, listen, we shouldn't do this, but the captain maybe said to them, listen, we've got cargo on this boat, I need to make this, th- this delivery. If we don't make this in time, it's gonna be my head, I'm gonna lose my job, and they set sail anyway. How many of you have been in a storm and it isn't your fault? How many of you have been in a, don't, don't elbow the person next to you right now, okay? That's not the point, just, just nod your head kind of lightly. How many of you have been in a storm and, and it's not your fault? Sometimes as a kid, your, your parents made decisions. You had no control over that and you, your life was thrown into a, into a storm. Maybe your company or your boss made some unwise decisions and it led to some bad times for where you work and they had to, they had to give you a pay cut or you got even worse, you got laid off. Uh, maybe, maybe you took someone at their word and they didn't do what they said they were going to do and now you find yourself in the middle of a storm and it wasn't your fault. Again, regardless of whose fault it might be, the enemy, yours, someone else's, listen, whatever the case may be, in the middle of the storm, sometimes it's easy to give up hope. It's easy to give up hope. And the storm continued to rage, and they gave up hope is what the scripture says. Never, never allow the presence of a storm to lead you to doubt the presence of God. Now look at what Paul says in verse 22. He starts to redeem himself here. Listen. Listen. He says, and now I advise you to keep your courage. And some of you, this, this, simply put, this is what you need to hear today in the middle of what you're going through. Keep your courage. Keep your hope. The storm you are going through, listen, will not take you out. It will not take you out. Paul says, keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship will be lost. And then in verse 23, he says, for last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve came to me. Now, I want to stop right here. Paul's experience in this moment does not appear to be the norm for most people, but he encounters this angel. And and here's something I believe, though, and I want to share with all of you. And it might sound a little weird to some of you, but I'm going to share it anyway, okay? And it's this. I believe that what we see with our eyes is not all that's there. It's not all that's there. And here's what I mean by that. In this room right now, we can see with our eyes Christmas decorations. We see people around us. We see instruments. Do you see me? I see you. But I believe even in this room, perhaps we have angels among us, watching over us, guiding us, guarding us. And I certainly believe that in this moment, we have the presence of God with us right now. He is with us right now. And so I would just ask you, especially those of you who are in the middle of a storm right now, to just imagine that in this very moment right now, as real as this angel was for Paul, that the very real presence of God is with you in this moment. He is with you. He is the ever-present God. You have no idea all the different ways that God is present with you in your life. (laughs) He could be present with you in the form of some super powerful, supernatural being like an angel. If you're a follower of Jesus, I guarantee you, his Holy Spirit is not just with you, but inside of you, the scriptures say. He goes before you. He is not restricted by space or time. He hears your prayers. He comforts you. He brings peace. He's directing you. He's leading you. He's guiding you when you have no idea what to do next. Listen, I think so many of us are gonna be blown away when we are before God face to face in eternity and we find out all of the different ways that God was with us and guiding us and helping us and, and steering us and protecting us in the midst of valleys, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of storms. He is present with us always. And then Paul says, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, came to me and said, do not be afraid. Again, we cannot allow the presence of a storm to let us doubt the presence of God. You know, we see this presence of God strengthening us throughout the scriptures, and I just want to read a few scriptures just to encourage you, just to give you hope. You know, Paul, the one who's kind of the main character of this story today, Later on in life, he's, he's writing to one of his disciples, one of, his, one, of, one of the guys who he was like training up in ministry, Timothy, and Paul is late in life. I mean, he's it's like retirement age for Paul when things should be easy, when things should be going well. And he's at this point in ministry where everyone's abandoned him. He is all alone. He's a prisoner. He's being ushered off to Rome to die, a martyr. And he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4:17, he says, "But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me.", like, I, might not, I might not have anyone right now, but I've got God, and He is with me, and He strengthens me." David, hundreds of years earlier, wrote this in Psalm 16:8, "I constantly trust in the Lord, because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken." Listen, when you realize by faith who is with you, who is by your side, who is at your right hand, it changes your perspective. It changes your mood. It changes your posture. It builds your faith when you realize that God is with you always. Just a couple months ago, we we, we were in the Gospel of Mark, and we were looking at this story of the disciples in that boat on the Sea of Galilee. You remember this story? We know this story. They're on the sea, and all of a sudden this storm rises up. But who's on that boat with them? Who's on the boat with them? Jesus. Jesus is on the boat with them. But what's he doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. And the disciples, they're freaking out, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus gets up, and he's like, why are you freaking out? Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? And he gets up and he says, peace, be still. And the disciples in that moment experience his peace. Why do they experience his peace in that moment? Because Jesus is on the boat. He's with them. Listen, true peace is found in the presence of Jesus, not in the absence of storms. True peace is found in the presence of, not, not in the absence of, there are so many people who have no storms in their life and they have no peace because they do not have Jesus. Listen, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're gonna have a storm-free life. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're gonna have a trouble-free life. That's bad theology. Do you know what Jesus actually said? John 16, In the world... You will have trouble and suffering. That's a promise from Jesus. That's not one of those promises where, like, yeah, I believe in the promises of the Lord. This is one of those promises where you're like, are you sure it's a promise? But listen, he says this. But take courage. That's the same Greek word that Paul said earlier keep your courage. Take courage, for I have conquered the world, I have authority over all things. I have control over all things. True peace is found in this Savior, in the Lord and King of this universe, Jesus Christ, not in the absence of storms. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is present with you always. Look at verse 23 now. Verse 23. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve came to me, verse 24, and said, don't be afraid, Paul. Paul you must stand before Caesar and God has graciously granted you the safety of all who are sailing with you. In other words, God told Paul, listen, I'm not done with you yet and you're not gonna lose this battle right now because you've got more battles to face in the future. I'm not done with you yet. Listen, you're not going down with this battle right now. If you're not dead, God's not done with you right now, right? There's more for you. That there's more people for you to love. That there's more places for you to serve. That there are more areas that God wants you to show compassion to to, to others. Listen, you're not going to go down with this ship and this storm is not going to take you out. In fact, this is great. I think what God often does in the midst of our storms is our storms have great purpose and they're not just for us. But, but, but God desires to use the storms that you're going through in this life, and after he gets you through those storms, to, to function as a testimony to help other people who are going through those very same storms. That's the purpose of those things. And so, so when you when you encounter someone who's hurting, you can tell them, look, I've been where you've been before. I, I honestly didn't think our marriage was going to make it through that season, but let me tell you what God did. Or maybe maybe the marriage ended and you can say, listen, this was the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but God carried me through and let me show you how he did it. Uh, My my, my wife and I, we never thought we'd get out of this crippling debt, but we we started to follow him and and make some more wise decisions and we weren't perfect, but step by step, he provided and he prevailed. And man, the ship went down, the house went down, we lost the house. (laughs) But we're still here, we're still here. I struggled with addiction, and I was just chained by that, but God liberated me and freed me, and let me show you how he did. Listen, all of these storms, whatever they might be, God can use them for a purpose in other people's lives. Look at verse 25 now. Paul says, therefore, keep up your courage, for I have faith in God that it will be just as I have told. I have faith in God, that it will happen exactly like he says. My faith is not in my circumstances. My faith is in what God says. My faith is not in what I see. My faith is in the reality that God sees me. My faith is not in the weather report. My faith is in the one who controls the wind, is in the one who controls the waves. That's who my faith is in, God of this universe. And as we look at Acts 27, the story in Acts 27, and listen, it happens exactly like Paul says, like the ship sinks, but everyone survives and makes it out alive. And as we see that story of these individuals in this storm and as we connect it to Matthew one twenty three, and this idea that, that, that God is with us and he, he was willing to, to bridge the widest gap and he became like us. And I think about this idea that Jesus was born into a manger. Uh, I can't help but also think that this same Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. And, and by, by dying, he went through the storm of storms. This Jesus who was perfect, the only perfect man, was rejected by his Father in heaven, died a sinner's death on a cross so that you and I could know righteousness and acceptance and the presence of God. And I can't help but think about the day after his death, though, and and his friends and his family members and his disciples. And I can't help but think about the storm they were going through in that moment and the despair and the hopelessness that they would have felt then in the midst of that storm. But I also can't help but think about the joy, about the absolute amazement, about how incredible it would have been to see Jesus after that Friday. That same Jesus who was nailed on the cross, they saw him walking toward them. This resurrected Jesus, proof that sin had lost, lost its hold on creation, lost its hold on us, proof that whatever we might be going through in this life, whatever storm we face, whatever impossible circumstance, sin, death, pain, suffering, despair, all of it, that those things do not have the last word in our lives. They do not have the last word. Jesus, Emmanuel, the one born in a manger, the ever-present God, the risen Messiah, he is living proof. So I know I left you guys hanging about that story about the Baileys earlier. You guys want me to debrief you as to how that ended? So they, they were floating around in this life raft and the, the first few days, like I said, they were surviving off of canned beans and bottled water and they were floating around. And listen, they floated for, for days. They floated for weeks. They floated for months. Until one day this, this Korean fishing vessel uh, was, 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 uh, was floating by and off in the horizon it saw like a little speck and so it changed course to see what it was and, and it was the Baileys. Wow. And they brought them aboard the ship and, and they, they couldn't walk because they had been on this raft for 118 days. Can you imagine how hopeless you would get like after day five? <laughs> And they said that they were like crying tears of joy, whatever their dehydrated bodies could produce in that moment. And, and apart from both of them being down like 40 pounds, they were fine, they survived. <laughs> they made it through. They made it through like the storm of storms and got through on the other side. Listen, your situation that you're going through might feel absolutely hopeless, but it's, but it's not. And so do not allow the presence of a storm to lead you to doubt the presence of God. Why? Because true peace is found in the presence of Jesus, not in the absence of storms. And so so abandon despair. Take courage. Embrace hope. Reach out to Jesus. Fix your eyes on his goodness. Accept his grace. And even now this morning, would we be obedient and lift up our voices as we sing one more song, even if we can't feel his presence and even if we really don't believe he's going to get us through the storm, would we take a step of faith and sing and declare and believe that he will do it? Would you stand with me now as I pray? Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God that sees us. You're a God that knows us. You're a God that cares. And Lord, I pray for those in this room right now that are going through just unimaginable storms. And they, they can hear a message like this and they can see what you've done, but they can't believe it for themselves, God. Lord, I pray that you would be near to them, that you would comfort them in their brokenness and that you would give them peace and that you would give them faith to take up hope and keep their courage, believing that you can carry them through this storm. That this storm will not take them out, but that, God, you have purpose for this storm. Lord, I thank you that you, God, are the God of storms. You control them, you are over them, and God, you care for us, and you protect us. Lord, I thank you that we can celebrate that today. Lord, that, that we, we are not, um, our lives aren't dictated by the storms of our life, but God, they are, they are dictated by you. And so whatever we may go through, God, I pray that you would carry us through the hardship, that you would carry us through the pain. Lead us out on the other side, praising and glorifying you, God, help us to take a step of faith right now and lift our voices, we pray, amen.